Thanks for tuning in to Light the Fuse on Let's Get Ready Network, brother. On this network, we talk about all the things you love, like movies, TV, sports, professional wrestling, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR Network. And please, leave a rating and review of this episode. Enjoy the show, brother! What's up? What's up, everybody? Uh, yeah, I just learned something actually in the chat for the first time ever that the West Coast doesn't get it. But I see a lot of West Coasters that are on my like Twitter feed and stuff that have seen it because they make comments even before I do sometimes <clears throat> on there. But yeah, so that's why I didn't know that. So if you are a West Coaster and you don't want to get spoiled, we obviously talk about like what we just uh, watched in the Central and Eastern time zones and everything else. Uh, so I'll preface that uh, we did have this up right here. I'm going to pull it back up for one second. Uh, at the very beginning, uh, before we actually went live, because uh, this was a celebration of uh, Brody Lee, who uh, came to AEW. Uh, unfortunately, he came during a time where it was like not a lot of fans and everything and all that stuff going on. But like uh, he was still respected and loved in the locker room and everything else. Everybody, you know, seemed to love him and stuff like him being part of wrestling. And he um, unfortunately passed away. And so this is a dynamite because they were in like his hometown uh, where they like basically use this to, to honor Brody Lee. They also like uh, doing a new shirt they came out with. It says like it has like Brody Lee's photo with forever. Like if you were to go and buy one of those on the AEW shop, all the proceeds, all the money goes to like a foundation they have got for him. Uh, and that's why we have some of the story and stuff that happened in the <clears throat> night before uh, happen. Uh yeah, Dagan, man, you got anything to say about any of that? Well, first off, uh, thanks to Brennan Marr, our buddy there, for a good, you know, longtime supporter of us. Uh, Let's Get Ready Network uh, for subscribing. Yep. Uh, we really appreciate, appreciate your support. Um, but, yeah, man, this was definitely a, a show for Brody. You know, the late great, tragically passed away, wasn't able to debut in his hometown like a, a week the show was scheduled like a week after everything got shut down. So really a heartbreaking sort of story there. But uh, I think they did a pretty good job of tributing him here in the show at, throughout a few places and uh, do it, doing what they could for, for the late great Brody Lee. And yeah, I love this whole John Huber foundation that they've set up in all elite wrestling. Uh, it uh, continues to show how, how great Tony Khan is as, as, a, as a person and everything to kind of get that set up for his family and uh you know is that also really great to see uh both brody jr you know negative one uh who's been part of the sort of past the dark order past the torch sort of in as the leaders of that group and uh and brody's ex-wife as or you know widow not ex-wife sorry uh amanda who was on this show as well made an appearance so um yeah this was this was definitely uh, I would say overall the show, as we can kind of get in and talk about it here. Yeah, go ahead. It was, overall thoughts. Didn't think it was quite as good as Grand Slam. I don't know if that's a little bit of a attendance bias, 
or whatnot. Well, I but also think that's a little unfair because technically yeah. that's like they're, you know, almost like a pay-per-view in between pay-per-views that you get to see like on TV. So, But I, I think, you know, it's okay to have sort of a breather week episode here because Rampage looks really good and the uh, show next week has a pretty stacked card already announced for that. But we did, did get some pretty... Uh, good things as well on this show. As I said, uh, some good tributes to Brody and a couple pretty good matches in there as well and a big title change. So it was definitely a noteworthy show for, for those, re- you know, in those aspects. But I would say overall, you know, it, it was, didn't quite, wasn't quite as like huge as the, the Grand Slam show, but it, you know, it didn't, didn't really need to be. It was just a, you know, a nice tribute show for Brody in his hometown in Rochester at the War Memorial or wherever they were. So. Yeah, those are my overall thoughts so far. What about you, Justin? Uh, before I get to that, uh, hey, Peyton, thanks for uh, coming by. Like, uh, hey to you as well. And, like, but before we even went live, like, we kind of had a discussion. Like I said, like, I kind of learned something that I didn't even know. But, uh, and uh, Thrawn may be right with this, uh, right here with this comment. Maybe if you have certain kind of streaming services or whatever to use yeah, for TV, YouTube. maybe it shows up different times and like, YouTube or Hulu and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty weird because I never – I always thought that any kind of live event was always live wherever, but maybe it's because they use certain language or something sometimes that they have to like be a later time. So they have to wait on the West coast and whatnot. But uh, no, nah, man, overall the, I thought the show was like really good, but I don't know if like more casual fans, like people that haven't watched wrestling that much, or they're not like super big in tuned, you know, into the wrestling scene and stuff, especially with like long-term, t- long-term storytelling, right? Like, because you have like these big events, but then you have to start <clears throat> setting up stuff. And like some of those things you want to set up slower than others. Some, some matches you want to get right into, right? Like, you know, they kind of uh, prepped us for the uh, TNT title match that they had at the end of the show tonight. For instance, like only like maybe a week beforehand, they had a little bit of a story um, <clears throat> and everything else with it. But so that was like the only one that kind of was like sped, but everything else like that uh, involved in this show is more of long-term. And like, I love the long-term term storytelling. If you do it right. Like sometimes if you do long-term storytelling and you get to the end and there's no payoff or not the payoff that you wish you would have gotten or something like that, you know, sometimes that's not like the greatest thing in the world, but in wrestling, I do like the long-term uh, storytelling because like you get the set up and when those matches happen, right? Like, I mean, for instance, if they just wanted a ratings grab, they could have went ahead and did like another Kenny Omega versus the American dragon tonight. Right. And made it another kind of stipulation style match or something like that. And I know is, another uh, company that would do that, but yeah, yeah. probably because that's what they kind of been doing on Monday night <laughs> raw, trying to combat uh, football and stuff. But they, they could have done that, correct? Like, they could have just went to another match, you know, made it an Iron Man match. And tonight we would have saw, like, an hour-long match between Kenny Omega and, and Brian Danielson. And we didn't get that because, like, people, they want to set it up properly. Uh, and maybe they want that next match to be actually for the title. And the only way that Brian can get there is by going through and, like, beating these people and getting the record and, and having wins and, like, build up a winning streak or something like that, which I think is really cool because, like, that's when away from wrestling uh, for a long time is when you have people that just get matches for no reason. Are they, 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 they challenge the champion and it's not for the title. And if they win, 
they get an automatic chance for the championship and they could have lost three matches before that, right? Like in a row and then just win that one match and get a title shot. And so I don't really care for that stuff. I like it for it to be at least a little realistic. You know what I'm saying? Where as it's going down, we get to actually see like this guy have to climb the ladder, right? He has to beat people. He has to win matches to be able to earn that spot, which in this show they set up because uh, Brian has a match set up for Rampage uh, coming up this Friday where he's fighting a member of the elite to try to like start to build that record up and start to build those matches up. Yeah, man, I I agree with you. I didn't realize you. I was you were gonna let me talk. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> no, I thought I thought. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I prefer this sort of long term storytelling as well. And I think you know, like in AEW, the big example I always use is like Hangman Page. Like he's gonna come back at some point and probably beat Kenny Omega for the title. You know, it's just the way they sort of set it up. So I like what they've been doing. Uh, recently with that, and, and there were some good angles on the show as well. But, uh, yeah, are we going to sort of go into it and recap it sort of match by match here as we go along? Or Yeah, we can kind of go that, and then we can go off on topics that involve certain things that happen. Yeah. So, like, uh, we had CM Punk come out again. Uh, he did kind of a victory lap and then ran up and became part of the commentary, which I think is fine. Because, like, CM Punk is one of those people, like, a lot of wrestlers, I don't like them when they get on the commentary booth because they kind of like step over people or they mess up or they don't really know a lot of stuff. But CM Punk's like been a fan of wrestling for a super long time and part of wrestling. He gets up there and I think he does like a really good job because like he really only speaks like when he kind of needs to, he, he doesn't try to talk during the whole match. He only comes in during specific moments in most cases, which I'm cool and fine with most of the time to me, a four man booths too crowded, but I'll tell you like, in tonight's Dynamite, for instance, I didn't feel that way. I felt like everybody kind of took their time, uh, said what they needed to say, and then let other people come in and say their comments here and there. It didn't look like – like sometimes you get in trouble with just a three-man booth. A four-man booth could be super crowded. I didn't feel that way watching the show. Yeah, I thought uh, the addition of CM Punk is always something that I, I enjoy watching. You know, I thought he had some really funny moments on commentary. Um, and yeah, I, I don't mind him continuing to do that for, for both dynamite and rampage. I think, you know, he's a guy that's like not going to obviously be out there wrestling every week. So to have him do commentary on some of those weeks that he's not in ring and doesn't have a match that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So like after that, uh, one of the things I do, uh, like about what AEW has been doing is they've been having some of these bigger matches to like start the show and they did it again tonight. But it also gives, like, breathing room because, like, to me, uh, respect for the championship belts should be, like, bigger than even, like, say, a storyline to me. Like, that's supposed to be the most coveted things, and they have the TNT belt that they usually do on Dynamite. They usually have a TNT match almost every Dynamite, to be honest with you. They might skip one here or there, but it's, like, Yeah, every other week, usually. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, we have – the TNT title was going to be on the line tonight. And instead of putting it like in the middle of the card, just so you can put, say like these two, you know, great wrestlers that you want to see go against each other. Uh, they went ahead and just went ahead and like started off with the match. And it was uh, Adam Cole versus jungle boy. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just, I just love the, 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 the wins and loss records and stuff. These like when they put them on the screen, I don't know why I love it. I guess it is because of the more realistic thing, but jungle boy, 
like 13 and two so far in singles versus Cole, with Cole which is only one and zero oh, because he's only had one match in uh in you know in this era that he's just joined AEW. Uh, they started off with a classic collar and elbow tie up. They went back and forth uh, with a bunch of like different uh, moves countering each other for a while. Uh, Jump Jungle Boy takes advantage with a I call <laughs> some of these moves I don't even know, so I just call them my own little fun names. <laughs> so like he takes advantage with a flippity do flip arm drag from the <laughs> and the crowd was behind him afterwards. Uh, Cole took him outside and started taking control. Nice measure neck breaker on Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy. Uh, took control after that a little a few minutes later with a, a basement drop kick, which is where they drop kick your knees instead of trying to drop kick you in the face and upper area. And uh, he did a comebacker, which is like his own version of a clothesline where he's always bounces off the ropes to get it. Uh, and the crowd was definitely behind Jungle Boy during most of his things. They had a bunch of kicks and suplexes, uh, some of your uh, just everyday moves in wrestling. Uh, and then uh, Jungle Boy set up uh, Adam Cole for like a drop kick in the turnbuckle. One of the parts I like about this spot was that, you know, Adam Cole tried to get out of it. And then Jungle Boy was able to do something to put him back in the position to be able to do this move. A lot of times they don't, right? They just put him in the turnbuckle and do the move anyway. So I kind of liked how the fact that Adam Cole was like, ah, trying to, uh, you know, trying to block it, trying to get out of it. And then they go on a little bit further. Uh, Adam had a very creative net breaker that he put on him. Uh, then he starts taunting Jungle Boy, uh, and, and he comes in, and then Jungle Boy gets up. Uh, Fury of moves just going off all, all over the place and uh, hit him with this really nice, what I call the Hootin' Tootin' Conrada, because uh, what is it like normally like the Frank? It's almost like a Frankensteiner style because of the way he like flips him over. Um, and then he goes into a, a unique suplex, uh, a couple of close calls on both of those pins, on both of those moves. Uh, Cole had a super kick uh, that he put on Jungle Boy that went out to the floor. Uh, they fight, and then I'm going to tell you something. This is one of the uh, coolest moves I've seen in a long time. Uh, Jungle Boy does uh, the hooting tooting on the outside, man. He jumps over the ropes as uh, Adam Cole's in the corner, jumps over the ropes, grabs him with his legs, and does like the whole flip thing and uh, gets him out there. That was like a really actually – I thought that was pretty damn amazing. Probably – uh, there was a couple of moves tonight that was pretty cool. Uh, that one right there kind of stood out to me. Uh, and then it ended up being Cole hits the sunrise, uh, really close two count. Uh, Jungle Boy put him in the snare, uh, the snare trap in the middle of the ring. Adam Cole fought for the ropes. Uh, and then uh, Cole, while the referee got trapped in between the ropes and him, kicked him in the nards and then did the knee to the back of the head and got the one, two, three. I thought it was overall a great match. Like I said, like one of the most outstanding things I've seen was that that was a crazy movie did out of the turnbuckle there, like I was talking about, where he just jumps over the ropes, catches him, and then does it. That, that was just amazing about Jungle Boy. I recently came back, you know, like the last month and a half, two months, watching AEW wrestling. So I haven't seen all these matches Jungle Boy had before now. And watching this match is why like I understand why the crowd gets behind him. It's not just because of the music. It's not just because of a look, The dude really can go. So like he, he, he impressed me tonight uh, more than anybody else, just because I've only seen him in a lot of tag team matches and stuff, not a lot of singles uh, matches, but yeah, man, what'd you think about that match overall? Yeah. I mean, talk about taking two of the most over guys in this company right now, putting them in the ring together, you know, as, as much as the crowd gets behind jungle boy, they're so into Adam Cole right now, despite the fact that he's a heel. Uh, and they're definitely got some great heat with that finish 
as well. And then, you know, we had the, the elite coming down and everything. We'll sort of talk about that next. But this match was a, a really good, you know, solid opener. Made sense that this would be the opener. Uh, the crowd seemed super into it. I saw some people online saying that this crowd overall kind of wasn't the best. But, you know, they they definitely – it's tough, to com- again, to compare. I mean, you know, 6,000 or whatever it is at the War Memorial in Rochester – you know, it doesn't seem like a lot compared to last week when you had 20,000 people Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City. So, um, you know, it, it was what it was. I didn't think I didn't think they were particularly bad. They definitely stayed hot, for, I thought, for most of the show. But I did enjoy this match. I thought it was a really good opener. And, uh, no, man, this was a, just a spot fest. Like, that's all this show, that's all this show is, just a bunch of spot fests. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, for real. Hey. <laughs> No, I mean, like, you know, Thrawn likes to say that a lot. He's somebody that's, you know, in our Discord and stuff like that, and he's obviously has comments on here. But, like, that that's the one thing. I'm going to fully admit when it is because there's a couple of times during this show that that's what it became. But that's also because of the kind of match you're having. But, like, they do have – AEW does have that uh, air about them to where, oh, it's a spot fest. Like, they just accept or think that's going to happen every match. Now, this is just a great – Opening match, Adam Cole doesn't do spot festy things. You know, uh, Jungle Boy, from what I've seen, doesn't do a lot. Yeah, they have their big moves, but everybody has their big moves. Yeah, there's a crazy move. Panama Sunrise. Panama <laughs> Sunrise is a crazy move, but that's not a spot fest. You know what I'm saying? That's just his move. Uh, that move that's where he crazy ass move. Yeah, that jump where he turned jumped over the turnbuckle and caught him, and 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 did the hoot and toot and Conrado on him. Man, I was like, cra- I was like, whoa, dude, like that's athletic, right? Like, but that's not. <laughs> That's just that one move that was pretty crazy. But, like, I thoroughly enjoyed the match. Uh, and it is – I will say this. I think AEW is still, like, trying to learn how to perfect the, like, production side of things because they're only, like, not even two years on TV. I actually think sometimes they just don't – either it's the microphones they use or they don't put them in the correct places and haven't really learned, like, the best spots to possibly put them. I think AEW has problems sometimes, like, actually micing the crowd. Because yeah. there's times where it looks I, like I'm the crowds, yeah. Sometimes it looks like the crowds are going super crazy, but then you don't hear it as loud on TV. It doesn't come through on the TV as loud as sometimes. And then you have the opposite yeah. thing that happens on the yeah. other shows sometimes, where they sound like they blast crowd noise in. And the... I, I certainly would say that that was the case for this particular show. Um, I, you know, I was watching, rewatching a little bit of the the Grand Slam show. You know, being there was a whole different experience. It was definitely it was so freaking loud in that building. But um, even that show, I thought on TV came across well, but maybe still could have been mic'd a little bit more. So I don't know if maybe that's just something that AEW needs to work on, or or if anybody's ever really pointed it out before to them that like, oh, maybe, maybe you need to sort of turn up the crowd a little bit because I agree that there are moments where it definitely seems like they're super into it, but you can't, doesn't really come across as much on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead and throw out this comment by uh, Patton. Uh, that was a great match. I was on the edge of my, uh, Payton. <laughs> that was a great yeah. match. I was on the edge of my seat the whole match. Like, nah, man, like I think a lot of people were, cause like I said, I do like, and, and unlike say on Monday night where they had like this big match that people wanted to watch and then it ended up being people running down and, uh, disrupting it, and then they basically said, oh, well, we're just going to put this same match in a cage so that doesn't happen. I love the fact they've been putting these big matches on and no funny business. It's just like the match, right? It's not to set up the end of the show. It's actually, this is the match you're going to get, and this is what we're going to do. 
and then things may happen after the match or something like that yeah. right, to build a story, but it doesn't happen during the match. Sure. I mean, I was going to point out that, yeah, he, he did sort of cheat to win there at the end, but it was like up until that point, it was just a straight up wrestling match. I mean, he was supposed no to shenanigans. Cheat. And and it makes total sense for Adam Cole to do that. So I mean, how many times yeah. Arn Anderson and Ric Flair pull out, yeah. you know, knuckles or whatever they used to use? They put in their hand, almost like a roll of quarters or something like, and 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 get a victory because of that. I mean, that's just how it is. Like it, it kind of protects Jungle Boy, right? Because they're like, oh yeah. man, he lost because he got kicked in the nards. You know, Whoop man, ain't got no nards. <laughs> we found out the Jungle Boy does, and kind of led to his downfall tonight and but like i said overall good match i thought it put over both people really good because jungle boy and adam cole both got like their areas like during the match where they both got their offense in it wasn't like a complete and utter uh like destruction and like we'll go back to this towards the end of the show uh when we had the the main event like i'll talk about a different way to do a match which can also be like super good as well if you do it right but uh, after that, uh, we had uh, we went to a segment with the Lucha Bros and Andrade actually talk about things back there. Because a lot of people think Andrade might be joining our Lucha Bros, join him, or he joins them as part of like a little group because obviously they're Latino and stuff like that, kind of having like a Latino faction and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's your normal like kind of like get together kind of promo stuff. Like, what'd you think about that? Uh, yeah, I bet you didn't re- remember that the Lucha Brothers are still AAA uh, tag team champions, right? So it seems like we're going to be getting Andrade and somebody else, potentially Chavo Guerrero, who's supposed to come back, challenging the Lucha Brothers for those tag titles. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I don't know where this is going, if, if uh, Andrade's eventually going to team up with the Lucha Brothers. I wouldn't uh, do that right away, because I think they're really good and over as baby faces right now, and having them team up with Andrade is potentially them turning heel. So I wouldn't do that right away, but maybe further on down the line. We'll see kind of where it goes. Yeah. Like, like, look, I'm going to tell you guys like straight up, like what I feel or what I think about certain things. And this is something that could have been left on the show. It could have been left out because really, and truthfully, I think it was just put there to remind us. I don't think we needed to be reminded. They just had that great and awesome match not that long ago. But it was basically like, let's put the Lucha Bros out here. So you, hey, they're the champions. You know, they're still here. Uh, like almost just to remind us that, like, like, we got the Lucha Bros. You know, like they're and and everything else because they didn't have a match tonight. So this is one of those things that wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it could if it would have been left out, I wouldn't have whined or cried about it or anything else. So uh, there goes that one. Uh, then we had the Nightmare Family uh, joining the tag team. I'm gonna actually let you talk about that match a little bit. Yeah, well, did I'm trying to remember? Did the Kenny Omega, uh, Brian Danielson thing happen right after? Oh the, yeah, the first so match? like even before that segment I just talked about, we did have uh, the elite. The whole faction comes out, they're celebrating, uh, yep. and they cut a promo on how they're the greatest. Basically, they pass the microphones. There's like a funny moment when uh, the oh, what's his face, the the guy spraying everybody comes around. Yeah, here Brandon and like, Cutler. Yeah, oh, Cutler tries to, like, grab the microphone <laughs> from Cole and say something, and they're like, what the hell? And they like, grab it back from him. Then uh, one of them was like, we're going to give, like, somebody the chance to cut the best promo ever, and they give it to the dude uh, that's always wearing, like, the headset. He's kind of like one of their cronies, and he basically doesn't say anything. So it's a little fun and comedic and everything else. But then the American Dragon comes out and interrupts him, and uh, – Brian pretty much asked the crowd, like, you want the rematch? And then, like, then he starts to say, like, I want the rematch. The crowd wants the rematch. Like, you got no balls. And the crowd starts saying, Kenny, yeah, Kenny, no balls. balls. 
<laughs> Kenny <laughs> Noballs Omega uh, and everything else. And then Brian brings out like a bunch of, you know, the people that's really kind of been by his side, like Luchasaurus uh, and, and, and Christian Cage and stuff like that since he's joined. And they all come out and they all go to go to the ring. And of course, the elite all bail, get out and, and start backing up, trying to talk trash and stuff like that. And the crowd goes back into like Kenny No Balls. Like, yeah, man, what'd you think about like that? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, this was great. I, I love this sort of uh, back and forth that we're still getting. Uh, the, the feud is continuing between these two, and, and rightfully so. You know, Danielson getting the crowd pumped up for a potential rematch. And um, then they did announce later in the show that we're getting a match, which I actually thought uh, we might get last week in New York, but we ended up getting, you know, that dream match five-star classic between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. But this tag match between uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Cole and the Young Bucks taking on uh, – I believe that's it. Yeah, yeah, those four against Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, and Frankie Kazarian. So I'm looking forward to that match next week as well. It should be a heavy-hitting one. But, yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to the rematch, the inevitable rematch between Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson. I'm guessing that'll probably be at the next pay-per-view. I don't know why they they would do it anywhere else. Makes all the sense in the world for that. And maybe even like an Iron Man match or a two out of three falls match or something that really determined a winner considering the first match went to a time limit draw. So, And and this is one of the things I'll say, too, about like the way this thing's being booked and put out in front of us is like wrestling's never going to have the best stories ever. They're going to have stories that you get invested in and that you even love. Right. Sometimes. But that's, you know, that's for other medium. That's for books or movies. Right. That's where the best stories that you're ever going to hear or whatever is going to come out. Wrestling's never going to give you that, you know, that it's going to be something good that you get to watch these people um, be physical and everything else. And, and it's going to be fun and it's going to be a good journey so far. And that's what I like about this. They're setting up a journey and they're always, because Kenny Omega is part of the elite and it looks like they're going to have Brian Danielson kind of go one by one through the group to get to Kenny again. Yeah. You're never going to forget Right. You're not going to forget their first match because you're going to get reminded of it all the time. You're going to see him and Kenny have words building up all the way to this. So, like, say, if they do it at, at full gear in November, we're going to get from now until November this cool story of Kenny having to work through that whole group to finally earn his shot back at Kenny Omega, possibly, if that's the route they take. And like I said, we'll never like forget that. This match, the, this great match we saw on Dynamite Grand Slam, you know, didn't take place. We're always going to be reminded of it. And that's the way to keep things going. That's like a progression that makes sense, you know. And so, the, yeah, like I said earlier, they could have just threw them in the match tonight, right, just to get some ratings. But I don't feel like it would have been deserved. I don't think it would have made sense. Uh, yeah, I would have enjoyed the match because, like, they're two great wrestlers. But I want to enjoy a little bit of a story. I want to be teased a little bit before we get into, like, the full you know, breadth of the situation. Agreed. All right. Then we had the uh, Night Fair. You want to uh, talk about the Nightmare Family uh, tag team match? Cody Yeah. Rhodes. So, so we got uh, Lee Johnson and Cody Rhodes with both uh, Arn Anderson and uh, Brandy out there to sort of promote this new uh, reality show that Cody has on TNT. Um, but uh, they, they, they're taking on Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. And that is amazing. Yeah, and and these these guys uh, really putting over the younger talent here. It was almost like Dante Martin versus Lee Johnson with 
Cody Rhodes and Matt Seidel kind of in the background, uh, really showcasing the younger talent here. And as we kind of figured it would be, um, that's sort of the position that, that Cody was in. I don't know, well, you know, my buddy that was watching this with me was like, Cody didn't really have any other reason to be on the show other than to sort of promote this uh, Roads to the Top thing on TNT. Um, so it definitely felt like that, and it was more of them putting over the younger guys here. But really, really uh, always impressed from what I see with both Lee Johnson and Dante Martin. These are guys that are going to be big stars down the road, I think, in this company, and uh, sort of a nice little preview of the future of, of the this uh, of this roster and some of the younger talent. So really yeah, like what Don- I saw from those guys in this match. Yeah, Dante Martin especially. Like, I think yeah. that dude could be a superstar. The only thing I want that guy to do is he is one of these newer guys that are made on some of this newer wrestling that has a little bit, uh, like we said before, like a uh, little spot festy, right? Like, he's right. he's that guy that's going <laughs> to do all of these big, huge spots, and he's going to do them one after the other. Almost no break in between. I want the guy to, if he wants to become, the difference between someone like Dante Martin and someone like Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega sells. Kenny Omega will change up the pace. Kenny Omega will, you know, start with a collar and elbow tie up or something like that right at the start of a match. And it doesn't move like uh, super fast from one thing to the other. So I want Dante Martin to like learn that a little bit, like get a little better at that. And I think if he does, this dude could be a legit star because I don't know what this guy couldn't do, how athletic he is and what he does is super great. Now, well, and you haven't seen. One real quick thing I'll say is you haven't seen his brother yet who's been out with an injury for the last uh, few months or so. Those two as a tag team, I mean, man, uh, top flight, certainly future tag team champions at the least in this company. You know, probably not for another two, three years, but definitely down the road, these these are guys to look out for. Right. And But now one thing I wanted to talk to you about is that Cody has been getting heat and everything else, like leading up through the Malachi uh, Black stuff or Aleister Black. I always want to mess up these names because they come, they're come they so similar when they come from one thing to another almost. But when they come, when he was doing that feud, the crowd was like booing him all the time, man, and like kind of, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And I kind of understood it. They wanted Black to go over. They wanted uh, him not to lose because they loved that guy, what he can bring to the table. Uh, but like, what do you think about this, like Cody thing, man, and him getting booed in the crowd? Yeah, he's definitely getting some sort of heel heat kind of here. And, uh, I, I like this angle with Arn where Arn's sort of telling him off and like, you know, Lee, Lee Johnson getting the wing, getting the win here in this match. And he's the guy that gets it done. And like, what are you doing kind of thing? And, um, so I, I really liking the dynamic recently between Arn Anderson, especially and, and Cody and, sort of maybe playing into that a little bit, that, that heat that Cody's been getting. Like, you know, you're just you're just not cutting it, kid, kind of thing. And so I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like it, do they sort of go full full on here and turn Cody heel? You know, I, I've seen a lot of people speculating that that might be a direction that they would go in. Um, I could see it. Cody I've seen work great as a heel before, both in, like, New Japan, Ring of Honor, uh, even like an impact a few years ago. So um, I, I would be okay with it, but I, I also understand if they don't go that direction because Cody is one of their big stars and sort of like almost the connection to the mainstream media in a way I've sort of talked about before on, on Dropkicks where it's like, 
he's almost like the John Cena of AEW, where like he's the guy that you'll probably see, as I said, with the reality TV show and maybe making appearances on on uh, the Tonight Show or whatever it might be. So that's sort of my take on Cody right now. But you know, I, I think I would I would be okay with him with him turning heel and. Uh, <clears throat> Whichever direction they go with it, I think it will will turn out for the better. But you know, there's been a lot of criticisms of Cody recently over the last year, and I don't know if they're necessarily unjustified, but it's sort of weird that he's sort of turned on. on the fans have kind of turned on Cody a bit recently. So yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting dynamic. What about yeah, you, uh, Justin? No, man. My biggest thing is this. I think things maybe happen naturally, like right now, like they don't even know what's upon them. I don't think they really realized it, but I think things are happening naturally that could work out to the benefit from them. The reason why WWE beat WCW is because they got to the point to where they had no other choice to begin, but to get Vince McMahon in, in involved, right? To get him involved in the story with Stone Cold Steve Austin, which started a bunch of craziness. And other things around that was also happening that was really good. You had bigger stars like The Rock and stuff, raising up at the same time. But you have Cody Rhodes, who everyone knows kind of helps run the company. Like, he's probably second in line behind Tony Khan. Like, we all know that Tony Khan is, like, the big person. behind. He's more of, like, the Vince McMahon. But we all look and see as fans, the second person in charge is Cody Rhodes. So I think he's getting booed because I think – he started getting booed because, like, in this Black series, right, that they thought that Cody was going to get over on Black in that last match. They thought that they were going to have Black go through all the Nightmare family and then Cody Rose is going to come in and get his revenge. But Cody didn't do that. Like, Cody let Black keep going, right? Like, still be this big star. Uh, Cody put him over, you know, and everything else. But I think that naturally, because of what the fans are doing, because of what we know, and you've added these great guys who could be these big baby faces for the company. You've added someone like Brian Danielson and CM Punk. Now, you know that the, their times came up and they they got them in the company. You could naturally start to have sort of this like Vince McMahon, which would be Cody Rhodes, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, sort of not the same character but same kind of like thing where like Brian Danielson steps up to him and tries to put him down. Right. So Cody becomes heel and starts doing shit and taking advantage of his situation. And someone like CM Punk or Brian Danielson comes out and is like, no, 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 no. We've been through this before. This crap's not happening. And you could have this big like fight and feud. And unlike when we had to watch that stuff back in the day where Vince McMahon couldn't wrestle worth the crap, but they'd still throw him in <laughs> matches. Right. Like Cody Rhodes can go. Right. He's still great at the craft. Like Cody Rhodes can wrestle really well. So, like, you could actually yeah, have a story that's like that. Grandson of that, a plumber. Yeah. But you could have a story that's like that with Cody Rhodes and actually have great ass matches. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think something like that may be coming down the pipeline. I don't know if they know that or not, but I just think it's going to happen naturally. Like, what do you think about what I just said? Like, would you go for that? Would you think it would be cool if they kind of did an angle like that? Yeah, I like that idea. You know, Cody started turning heel, and then one of these old, older vets, if you could call them that, uh, like a Danielson or a Punk, sort of standing up to Cody. And 
Yeah, it's an interesting comparison to the sort of Vince and, and Austin thing. I mean, I think it's there are similarities, there are also differences, but sort of to have have it all culminate in a really great pro wrestling match is something that could distinguish this one, you know. But um, so yeah, I, I like that idea. It's kind of kind of interesting. I don't know if that's the direction they're ultimately going to go, but I I think it's kind of that would I would love to see Cody wrestle either Punk or Danielson. I think they could put on mm-hmm. a really great Damn match. Good Damn good show. Yeah. yeah. I do want to pull up another uh, Peyton comment here. I thought that what Anderson said to Cody was awesome. I've been waiting for this kind of storyline, which I think is also cool, which could kind of turn Cody, Cody heel because Arn's going to get like a big pop because everybody loves him from nostalgia or whatever. But I will say this. Got to be careful. There's two things that happen tonight that you got to be careful with. And like one of them was Arn Anderson when he started talking about like if somebody comes and like carjacks me, you know, of course he's talking about a fake story, right? But like he still yeah. talks about a gun and you know, yeah, taking someone out with it. Like that's something you got to be careful, uh, especially with like today's media or you know even like social media and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, there's, there's another line. There's another line about a gun we can talk about later as well. So, but like, but yeah, yeah, it's like he when, when, is telling the line. Yeah, you're telling the line because like these characters are fake. You're telling a story. And of course, like in a movie or something, people can say whatever they want to. It's a movie. We all know it's fake. Wrestling is fake, right? Like overall, and these are just stories and people trying to like make something sound real serious. But yeah, you're going to have to be careful because I could see there being a little bit of blowback from that. But other than that, what he said and what he did was amazing. It was old school Arn Anderson. Like not, he's not pulling any punches. Like he's telling you like it is and like how it was. He basically calls Cody a loser and then gets out of there and leaves him like standing. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see like what happens there. Do they try to keep Cody baby face going up against Arn Anderson that kind of turned heel. And now he's got a couple of the nightmare family uh, feuding with Cody or something like that. Or do they do the opposite? Like we've been talking about and turn Cody heel and Arn Anderson's like trying to like, you know, turn him back, get him back to his old school ways. It's like that entire group is all of them slowly turning here heel over the course of, time here. I mean, you had QT and his group, they turned heel. You had the gun club, they turned heel. All these guys from the Nightmare Factory, and now it's like maybe Arn and Lee are kind of slowly turning heel, and then it's all going to culminate with Cody turning heel, and then it's just like the entire freaking, what was a babyface group initially with the Nightmare family, or factory is now, they're now all heels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, could be. Uh Hey, go ahead. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about like we had the next match will be coming up with Mar- Mar- Moxley and Darby and Sting, of course, with them uh, going against uh, the Bear Country, who I've seen on Dark. This is the first yeah. time I've seen them on Dynamite, and another gentleman I didn't even catch his name. Like, he's brand new to me. Like, so like, tell us about these guys. All right, so uh, there's not a lot that can be said about this match, and it was very quick. It was nearly a uh, glorified squash, uh, kind of just to have. Moxley and Kingston on the show, but um, the tag partner of Bear Country was a guy by the name of Anthony Green, uh, who was formerly August Gray. He was on NXT for a bit. Uh, he got released in one of the most recent batches of, of mass releases from the NXT. Um, this guy, I think, was in a feud with, as like sort of a trainee turning on his mentor thing with Timothy Thatcher. I believe that was this his last sort of feud that he had in NXT, but he wasn't used much more than just sort of a jobber in this match. 
um, with Bear Country. You know, Bear, Bear Country got a majority of the offense in that group, but wasn't, uh, you know, anything too crazy. It was just sort of putting over Darby and putting over Moxley and Kingston and, and having them get the win. But I did like Anthony Green taking the uh, Scorpion Deathlock after the match is over. It's always great to see Sting do that move. And it's funny, any anytime, like, there's any sort of beat down with Sting and any of these, like, younger wrestlers it's all it almost makes me feel like it's there it's like a childhood dream for them to take a bump from staying in a ring you know and it's just like it always get makes me gives some more enjoyment watching that you know watching a 62 year old sting do that and, and and knowing that these guys are probably like yes i'm living my living the dream right now taking this bump from sting yeah it's almost <laughs> like anybody that has a match that involves darby like the people that are going against darby's like drawing straws to see which one can like uh get the scorpion death drop at the end right. and it's just funny how like they they offer him up to sting and sting grabs him and has yeah. it ready and then he's kind of like he looks at the ref, he looks at the crowd, he just kind of shrugs his shoulders and then drops him and everything else. And it's like, uh, that it. stuff's just, yeah, that stuff's really cool and really fun. Because, like, you know, wrestling doesn't have to be serious 100% of the time. You can do the yeah. dirty stuff and everything else as long as it's done well and as long as the story, like, represents it well, you know. like, And I think Sting coming out here and doing these kind of things is uh, pretty cool. Uh, but I do, there was another spot in this match that I really liked. It was just funny. It was hilarious is when uh, Green tried to do, like, a crossbody, and, like, he just bounces off Moxie and Kingsley. Like, he just, yeah. <laughs> uh, he just bounces completely off of them and stuff. They just no-sold the crossbody. Yeah, great. exactly. They just stood there. He bounces off of them, and then they kind of look at each other and get ready and start, you know, beating the crap out of it. Like, that kind of stuff right there is creative, man. I like whenever you try to do things that are a little different and stuff like that when it comes in wrestling because we've all seen, like, the biggest problem probably in wrestling right now is like a super kick ain't even that big of a thing to me because like everybody uses it back in the day when Shawn Michaels was using it for a finisher. It meant something because no one else really used it. He was the best at it, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. And you see a lot of like super kicks and like knees now and stuff like that. Like, so it's interesting when you see other different things. Like I love it when they just do some old school moves when they do a normal suplex. And that kind of thing. Those moves are still good. There's a reason why they were good back then, and they're still good today. But we do jump uh, forward to uh, Ruby Soho. Uh, she gets a moment to kind of, like, tell people, like, where she's at. Like, to kind of talk about the Britt Baker situation and all that. Like, what would you think about this promo from uh, Ruby Soho? Yeah, this was great. I, I think uh, – I don't know if they're setting up a rematch between these two. I mean, I know AEW doesn't do like to do a lot of rematches, but, I mean, they're definitely doing one with – Danielson and Omega, and I think that that women's match at uh, at Arthur Ashe was uh, good enough to warrant a, a possibly a rematch between the, these two. I don't know if I like the idea of Ruby Soho starting her AEW career one and two, sort of with the rankings, but you know it it, it is what it is, and I could I could see that going down that way. But I also wouldn't mind seeing Ruby go off in another different uh, direction, you know. And, Potentially that so we have this three way women's match coming up on Rampage next week between Jade Cargill, Nyla Rose, and Thunder Rosa. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jade Cargill wins that match and sort of gets into that number one contender slot to p- potentially be the next one to challenge Britt. Um, I know she's still a bit green, but I think that they might be willing to sort of give her a shot. It doesn't need to be a long match, you know. Brand Britt can still win. Uh, and it wouldn't hurt Jade because, like, Jade's still so young and, and fresh in this company. And I think that uh, 
taking a loss against the champion wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I think Jade's somebody that's definitely lined up to be a, a future champ. But in terms of like the Ruby Brit feud, I mean, I wouldn't mind another match between the, the, those two before that. So yeah, those are my initial thoughts on, and just the general women's division right now. But we'll talk about it. We can talk about it more after, after we get into it here. Yeah, like my my thing that I like is like you get I get to see like all of us get to see some of these people like when they actually get to have a say about what they possibly would act like, you know, what kind of person are they when they actually get to be creative with themselves like because the whole time I saw anything with Ruby, it was like, oh, man, it's kind of seemed watered down. It was almost like she had to be fake. And now it's more like I feel like what she's saying is real. Right. Like I feel like what's going on is like she's not just cutting a promo to me like some of it's actually like her true thoughts and like it's just amazing like sometimes when you let these people be creative when you let them step in and and do their thing now after that we had something that this is truly 100 percent spot fest of mania because this is what (laughs) these kind of matches are this is all no matter what you're in (laughs) Yeah, no matter what company you're in, I don't care who it is, like straight up 100%, this is what this kind of match is going to be. It is six, it's a 16 man tag. That's eight people. Yeah, that's eight people on each side. I haven't seen something like this since when they did Survivor Series and they actually had like four or five tag teams on the, like, did the Survivor Series that way. And if one guy got pinned, the whole team had to leave. Like, so this is like the last time I've seen that many people in a tag match, and it was just pure, utter chaos. Like, oh my god, of, it was fun. You, if you sit so back, much going on, all right. If you sit back, this is this is like kind of like those movies you go see, and people say shove the popcorn in your face. Movie, <laughs> like this is what this match was. Like, just bro, just enjoy it for what it is. There's all kinds of shit going on. Who knows who's a lingo man? They had two times <laughs> in this match where the whole. 16 men getting the ring brawling and stuff like one time before a commercial and one time after they came back out of commercial like it was just a uh, beautiful chaos if you like this kind of stuff but yeah like this is one of those crazy things like and, and look it's, it's fine to have you get to put all these people out there let them showcase some of their talents and you know at the same time it did have the big huge like kind of story involved uh because the dark order was involved and that's something that we were here for uh for Brody Lee and everything else who used to be the leader of the dark order and they had been acting like they were breaking up uh the biggest key and the one thing like I was just thinking about that dude man and I liked him as a wrestler no matter where he was at Brody talking about Brody Lee and like the moment where his like uh wife I guess or a widowed wife or whatever comes out the back with his son and because like the dark order is acting like you know they're they're falling apart again, dissension to go in the ranks. Yeah, and then she comes out and says, "This ain't for you. This is for Brody." And like even negative one, like the little kid, Brody's kid, throws something at one of the um, bigger guys. Papers. Yeah, yeah. So that is a that's a nod to uh, being the elite. Uh, Mr. Brody Leah on there used to just taunt the rest of the dark order by throwing papers in their face. He would right. like wrap up a whole bunch of them just whacking at evil uno or silver right. or whoever so that was a nod to, to that and i just and that was that a touch was a great moment. moment great yeah, moment. Touch moment like they come down they obviously like meld back together again become the dark order you know with no dissension they win the match and then they give air you know of course there's like a big group hug involving uh brody's lee brody lee's uh 
you know, widow and the kid and they lift him up on the shoulders and stuff like, man, I don't care who you are. You're a human being. You watch something like this. Like, you know, I had a tear that almost came all the way down to my beard, man, as I was watching it. And like, I didn't even know I'd be that, that emotional. It was one of those things that kind of catch you by surprise. Yeah, man. I, you know, the whole Brody Lee thing was, was just such a tragic thing to have happened to the pro wrestling world. And man, if you, if you ever, ha- if you haven't seen the, the Brody Lee memorial show that they did at the end of December last year, uh, do yourself a favor and go, go watch that, Justin, but get the tissues ready because it's, it's very emotional. And so anytime they do any of these kind of sort of nods to the late great Mr. Brody Lee, it's, it's very, uh, I think uh, somewhat tough for for some you know fans to watch, a lot of fans to watch, because of how emotional that was with losing Brody Lee just too soon, you know. And, and um, yeah, Don't I mean it's, it's right, tough. It, it's it's tough, but you know it is it is uh, sort of a, a big thing that we all had had to go through as as fans of of this company, and and a, a massive massive loss felt just across the entire wrestling landscape. Didn't matter who you were. Uh, what company you worked for, uh, the loss of Brody Lee was devastating. And so to, to have yet another show sort of in his hometown to pay tribute to him, I think was, was really, really nice. And yeah, this was another one of those sort of emotional moments and, and a really, really good, uh, definitely one of the highlights of the show for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately, like in the kind of, you know, spot we live in today, there's a lot of people out there that, some of them may even be your heroes and then you find out like bad things about them, you know, like, and you're kind of like, Oh man, like this person I rooted for this person that I liked and loved and watched all their movies or, you know, love their sports team because they were on it. Like it kind of comes crashing down. It's, it's not very often these days that across the board, WWE, AEW, nobody's came out and said anything bad about this dude. Not one person. Like, even a slight thing bad about this guy, period. And, like, if there was a chance for someone to do that, they would do it because they want the publicity or whatever. But no one has came and, and said anything bad towards this guy about him being in the back in the locker room, being a dad, you know, being, a you know, and doing that kind of thing. So that's what gets you a little bit is, like, this is one of those people that, that got, you know, he got famous, like, because he worked hard in wrestling and, and he did it later in life. He, he wasn't famous when he was younger, right? Like, his fame came later in life. And then for this, it'll be cut short for him and everything else. Like, it's one of those yeah. things, man. It gets to you. But, like, obviously, that dude was beloved through all the things. I feel like this show overall was a great tribute to him. And, he, and even with that being said, we not only had that 16 man tag that had, like, the Dark Order involved, which was like a tribute to Brody. Uh, we also had the women that are involved in the in the, in the uh, Dark Order have a match, uh, Anna Jay and Tay Conte versus with new Bunny music, and, with new yeah. music and the Bunny and Ford. I think they're actually going to put them together as like a legit tag team for the women. I think so. They they have they've had them before. They actually were in a women the women one women's tag tournament that they had uh, yeah. last year. So that definitely because Anna Jay just came back from injury recently within the last few weeks. So. Um, yeah, I think that they're going to keep those two together as a tag team for a while. And, you know, the typical wrestling booking would make you think, oh, they're, they're going to just, one of them's going to turn on the other one at some point. Can't have too much of a good thing within wrestling, right? But I think that's more of like a WWE mindset. And I could see that these two being a tag team for a while, you know, it, just whatever is natural. I think it'll run its course if it does. But yeah. 
I, I like them. They're, they're both still very young, very talented. Whoops, as, my, as I knock over my camera here. Um, but, yeah, I, I like this match. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, like, anything too crazy, but definitely had, had some good moments in here. Um, and, and I like what, what they're doing, building up some of these ladies, you know, like a Ty Conchie and Anna Jay. I think that they're... There's really a lot of potential for them to be big stars in the women's division. So those are sort of my overall thoughts on this match. A couple of shows ago, I brought up the fact that, like, the women's division, I started to see hope, right? Like, because they're, they're starting to get a couple of people like Ruby, who we know is solid. They've already built, a, uh, built up uh, Britt Baker. And uh, you got the, um, the lady, the uh, Latino lady that does, like, the – She's uh, Thunder, Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thunder Rosa. You got these people that they built up, like a couple of them they built up in their company from the beginning, right? And then like uh, one or two that may be coming in because I think they just signed another like uh, pretty solid worker uh, that from one of the other companies I saw right before we came live. Kara uh, Hogan. But, yeah. Yeah, Hogan yeah. Kara Hogan. That's it. You, you got yeah. it. So like. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, so like you've got, and she's also um, she's also been dating uh, Diamante, who's another great sort of under I would say underutilized talent in the women's division. So those two are um, partners. So that's cool that they that they signed Kira to to sort of keep them together because you know how it is with wrestling with a lot of the uh, sort of spousals that ends up being wrestlers that can kind of go on the road together. So I thought that was super cool that they signed her. Right. So what my point was. Basically, like that hope I see building because even though this tag match, yeah. some people would probably say it's the weakest match on the card tonight. Some people might even say, "Why'd you even put it on there? You could have put it on Dark or something like that, or had it on Rampage, like their second show." I no, you have to build these ladies up in a way, and you have to give them the opportunity and the spotlight to be able to do that. And this match was solid. Was it great? Was it the best tag team women's match I've ever seen? Not even close. But was it a solid match? There was no botches. These women were, are learning to actually be in front of the crowd and and do their stuff and do their craft. They've been like, so that's what you've got to do. you got to remember like this thing. And also, you can look at these moments and go, this could be the beginnings of them trying to start a tag team's belt for the women because that's something they don't have over here yet in AEW. So, like, they're possibly going to build to that, build up some tag teams, Get that started. Yeah. We already know that they're going to do something I think super cool for the wimp. This will be the first time that I know of because like WWE has two champions for women, but that's because they act like they're different brands and they're different shows. That's the only reason right. why it's there. But like they're going to actually have an intercontinental belt, sort of like yes. to tell people what it's like. They're going to have this intercontinental belt that's basically like the TNT Championship. It's going to be called the TBS Championship yep. because they're going to do shows on TBS starting at the first of the year, and that's why they're calling it that. But for the women, so not only are you going to have the championship for the women, now you have a setup belt, you know, the intercontinental-style title for the women as well so that like, you can build these stars in different and new ways. And I yeah. really like that. And like I said, it's like taking your time. A, a year from now, and they have let's just say a year from now, AEW has a tag team women's championship match that's a super great match. That I feel like if I was in the arena, I'd stand up and give them a standing ovation. I'd rate it four out of five stars or something, you know, four and a half out of five stars, maybe even five out of five. You can look back to these moments and go, like, dude, I remember where they started. 
this is where they started. Like I said, this match was super solid. Uh, no mistakes. It was clean. It was a good match. And like, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I enjoy it for that reason. I enjoy it for the reason that I'm watching these women like go out there and showcase their abilities. And yeah, is it the best thing yet? No, but I can see it starting to build that way. That's the hope. Absolutely. And for the TBS champion, Give it to the zombie girl. Give it that belt to Abigail. Man, dude, you'll never get on TV because I think she's a, <laughs> they're afraid. Look, they're afraid Scared to put her on TV because she she has a crazy character. She does crazy stuff, but like I, she's one of my favorites. Like whenever I get to see her on Dark, I go watch a match just because she's on Dark, AEW Dark, and everything. Because like she's she's pretty cool. Like I like it. I get it because some people didn't like what they were doing on WWE here recently with Alexa Bliss, right? Like, some people don't like that kind of stuff, all the doll and everything else. Now, Abaddon doesn't do that, but, like, she plays a zombie. And some of her wrestling moves are built around the fact she's a zombie. Like, she'll get, like, chopped or hit, and instead of falling down, she'll just kind of lean back real far. And she'll she'll just go like, ah! Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, like, (laughs) but I'm cool with it, but I like zombies. So, maybe, you know, a lot of people that's not a zombie fan might not like her character. I, I think they're scared. I think they're scared to put her on like national TV right now. Maybe Justin, they can see her on a rampage. She's like the ultimate like dream interview, right? Because she would just would sit there and wouldn't say anything, and it would be like the easiest interview in the world. It'd be like, "How are you, today, Abaddon?" That's yeah. the response like, <laughs> for the entire <laughs> interview. It'd be great. <laughs> I right, we we got the next thing with MJF. I'm gonna let you start on this one. Oh my god, this promo was fucking great. Uh, so MJF comes out. He, he cuts a promo, of course, uh, on the uh, on the fans. Uh, Barry's Rochester, real quick. Uh, he tells everybody to pipe down. You upstate New Yorkers, pipe down. Um, and he starts actually putting over some of the uh, what he considers the four pillars of future stars here in AW, which I found very interesting. I thought he was going to be immediately be like, okay, the four pillars are myself, FDR. And uh, Sean Spears or something, right? The other members of the Pinnacle. But he actually says, Jungle Boy, right? He makes the point that he beat him. Calls out Sammy Guevara. Makes the point that he beat him. He goes, Darby. And he moves on. And then he starts, of course, doing what we expect him to do. Putting himself over. But uh, Darby Allen then comes out. And comes to the ring. And MJF, man. The, the talking about the the sort of Arn Anderson talking about the gun earlier, MJ uh, MJF calling Darby Allen the school shooter, like man, this guy really crosses the line and does not give a fuck and gets away with I think a lot of heel lines that some others may not uh you know be able to because he's MJF and you just kind of expect it. Um, whether or not this line prompts. Uh, outrage from the internet uh, tonight or not uh, was remains to be seen. I haven't seen a lot about it, but he he sort of calls him Darby that, and he says that uh, he he had that accident with his uncle. He got in a car wreck when he was very young, and the the wrong man died. And Darby Allen, who's like just very like kind of almost in a meditative state, he rolls he closes his eyes and just sort of takes this promo. But you can tell. Really wants to to go after MJF, but doesn't. You know, he he sort of he's the better man here. He doesn't take a swing at him, uh, and and MJF sort of walks away. And then Jr. puts over the fact that, you know, uh, 
people who stand up to the, the ones who stand up to the bullies make the bullies sort of cower and and uh, retreat so so to say so man this was this was probably one of the highlights of the show for me uh, great work with, between these two guys and one of those feuds that's like you talk about feuds of the future AEW I mean this we're getting this feud right now in 2021 we may get it again like years down the line but to see these two guys go at it is something that I've been very excited for and something I've wanted to see for a bit now in AEW so yeah man I'm hyped for this feud Nah, yeah, there's a couple of things that happened in this that I thought was interesting. Like like what you said, right? Like the school shooter comment or whatever, because basically saying he looks like one of the Columbine kids. Like, let's don't that's basically what he's saying. So, like, yeah, that's one other comment that could be brought up. But here's the deal, and I never understood it, and I talked about it a little bit earlier, was like in a movie, people can say that and it's fine, right? Because like it's a bad guy being a bad guy, it's a movie, whatnot. And then in something like this, it is kind of weird how people will take uh, things that we've obviously seen worse in movies, but like in, in like wrestling, maybe it's cause it's like live on TV or something like that. Maybe that's why like people may say things or whatever about it, I guess more and, and kind of attack it more. And, and, and I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, you know, maybe you don't want your kids like hearing something like that or whatever. I mean, most kids to be honest with you probably wouldn't have been picked up on that, but like he does that. Then he talks about like his uncle, you know, and, and, and him being in a drunk driver, basically, accident where his uncle dies. This is one of those things to where, you know, MG, he doesn't just come out there and say that. Like, I think the reason why, like, I, I love it because it's like, bro, I hate this mother. Like, I, I hate this guy. And all the people in the crowd, I hate this guy. People legitimately have hate for this guy. And he doesn't care because that's his job, right, to be the best heel out there. He's literally the best heel in the business right now. You count any company out there. Like he's the best heel in the business because he goes after people and he goes after easily, but, like by a but mile. I know, but I know he talks to Darby beforehand. This ain't gonna be no surprise to Darby. Right. Darby knows. Darby told him it was okay. But I. But another, another oh, sure. interesting thing yeah. is like that pillar thing. He's finally gonna go after the one that he hasn't beaten yet. So that's one of those things. That's a cool and interesting story. But what happened in this was CM Punk's name got yelled out by the crowd a couple of times. First time MJF ignored it. Second time he acknowledged it, but like, nah, it's not CM Punk I'm talking about. Then there was another point to where MJF said something about straight edge so that people don't know Darby, I guess is he's saying Dar he was talking about Darby, right? Being straight edge, not using drugs and um, like drinking alcohol and all that good stuff. Right. They like the hardcore music and everything. And they're in that scene, but they don't like the drugs and stuff that are get involved in that scene. But that's the exact same thing that CM Punk ran with for years being straight edge. Like when he was in WWE and everything, like he ran with that kind of character. Like he's straight edge. He let everybody know that's what he was. So like, I have the feeling that Darby is like a stepping stone to where I think MJF is going to win this match. I know people is not going to like him winning against Darby. <laughs> it's going to be hard for them to pull that trigger, but I think yeah. this may be a stepping stone for MJF once he beats Darby to be like, I've beaten all these guys. Like his whole gimmick is I'm not getting the respect. Actually, it's right. an old school CM Punk routine. I'm not getting the respect I deserve. I'm the best. I beat this guy, this guy, this guy. And I'm not at top of the map. I'm not getting championship matches. I keep getting thrown these other matches and everything else to kind of derail me from the championship, right? Like that kind of disrespect thing. And then who's best to come out and it'd be CM Punk. And maybe MJF's like, Yo, 
because he even pointed at him when he was going to the back at the end of this segment because CM Punk was on like the desk and you can kind of see him pointing at him. The crowd even kind of went crazy a little bit because I think CM Punk stood up. But like, and CM Punk even mentioned like I was about to interrupt him. I'm glad I'm glad Darby did. Like, so I think this is actually building towards an MG, MJF, CM Punk, them colliding and having a big match together. And I think that's going to probably be the biggest name. Well, I don't know, man, because a lot of people love Darby. So it's hard to say that that would be CM Punk's biggest name he's went after. But like having MJF and CM Punk collide is what I think is going to be the next step. I think MJF will beat Darby and then he'll be like, see, I beat Darby just like your beloved CM Punk. And I don't get no, you know, whatever. And then CM Punk's going to finally be like, nah, dog, like this is it. And I'm sick of it. Him. Let's do this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you think about that happening, man? Do you think they'll go that route? You think they'll have MJF go over with Darby? Uh, yeah, I think I think they do put, put MJF over Darby. And I do think that CM Punk feuding with MJF is something that's inevitable. You know, the part of one of the straight edge society when he was – CM Punk was the straightest society. One of their uh, catchphrases was "I'm better than you." So uh, to kind of bring that back, I think it makes all the sense in the world. And you know, CM Punk to potentially be one to elevate MJF, and and might even be somebody that's that's going to lose to MJF as well, because you you know how MJF goes with the cheating and everything. So you could have him do one of those finishes where he sort of cheats to win, and 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 you know hits. See a punk with a ring or something. Bro, you've just, got the balls to do that. Yeah. You, whatever arena that's in, it won't be there the next day. It'll be burnt down. <laughs> like yeah. there, there's no way, dude. They get would be all crazy. the heat. They would get that'd some serious heat, man. That yeah, that'd be some happening. Stuff. It would make it would actually kind of make sense, you know. If hey, if some of just it, like the world could get burned down around us, yeah. like just to watch it entertainingly, and that's bro. Do, do you realize? Do you even realize, like, man, I don't even know if they people might come out the crowd. You don't want to do that match in Chicago, that's for sure. Yeah, like I'm saying people <laughs> might come out the crowd, dude. Like you remember when Hogan turned and all that trash that got through into the ring? You literally might have that situation happen if you do that match and, and you have MJF go over CM Punk. Yeah. Like there's no I, way. I don't think you can contain people. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, but, I, you know, it happened. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about this main event so uh, Thrawn can get his beauty sleep uh, here. <laughs> yeah, so like the very last thing uh, we have is the main event, which is Miro versus Sammy. Probably the biggest thing uh, that we have, like, you know, that happened probably uh, tonight was this, this match. Book ended, like, this show had some of the fun, crazy stuff, man. It had like some tag teams. It had some like a, a, a woman's match involved there that was pretty solid. I felt. I love how this show bookended with a great match to start, and a really other great match that had a pretty cool story they set up the last few weeks to end it. I love this match, but but you remember when I told you at the very beginning of the show I wanted to talk something about when we got to the main event was you had Jungle Boy and Adam Cole go at each other. And I felt like that was great because they showcased both of their talents. Both of them got their even off. It was pretty much even match until the kick to the Nard. You know what I'm saying? Like this last match, like 100% was kind of a little bit opposite, but it was still done in a great way. You had 
the smaller Sammy Guevara coming up against this monster Miro. Miro dominates a lot of the match, almost all of it. I would probably say he probably dominated about 85 to maybe even 90% of this entire match. Every now and then, Sammy would get in a move here or there, right? And it looks like he's about to make like the turnaround. It looks like he's he's probably going to get advantage. And every single time, Miro stops him. But Guevara kept fighting. Guevara kept getting up. Guevara wouldn't stay down this entire time. So then the the guy who's been dominating people, man, the guy that's been 15-0 and 0 starts to get frustrated. So he starts ripping off the turnbuckle pads and everything else like around the ring. He's actually going to rip them all off. He's just mad. He, he doesn't understand. He's, he's frustrated. Guevara comes in. They kind of use the turnbuckle bass to get on because he does like a knee, and then after the knee, uh, Miro's head hits the turnbuckle, and then Guevara does uh, his signature move and like wins the match there at the very end, like this underdog story. I love the fact that those two matches were on here tonight to showcase both ways. These guys are equal. One small mistake causes one to lose. This one, one guy's dominant, but one guy, because he's the underdog, he's the guy that you don't expect to win. He's a smaller guy. They put, they made it believable. They made me believe that someone the size of Sammy Guevara could actually beat Miro, like in a real match, right? Like as you're watching this, the way they set it up, the story they told there in this match, I thought was like really super good, really super great, man. Like, so... I may overall have liked this match at the end, not just because Sammy wins, like the underdog wins, <clears throat> kind of feel good story that they did where they finally switched the belts over. But I may have watched, like, even with the belts not being there, I would have liked this Miro match, I think, more than even the Adam Cole and Jungle Boy match, which was also great. What you got? Yeah, I mean, this this was a great way to sort of send the crowd home happy, you know, even though they did get an hour of Rampage as well, uh, taped after this. But, yeah, I think, you know, it seems like they were building building this up to have Miro drop the title. I think originally the plan would have been to have Eddie Kingston beat him in New York last week, but they sort of shifted directions because of the whole Minoru Suzuki thing, the Suzuki incident, as it's been dubbed. Uh, and they ended up doing that instead and in, went in a different direction with Nero with the whole Fuego del Sol thing uh, and him putting the car on the line and everything, and which which we never really got a follow-up to that. Uh, what happened to that car? I, I guess we're just assuming that Miro destroyed it or something because it, it hadn't really, hasn't really been followed up on. But they did follow up in the sense that, you know, having the sort of ba- big baby face win, Sammy Guevara getting the revenge for Fuego here also made sense and was a good direction for them to go. Um, being the fact that this was a Brody Lee, Brody Lee tribute show, uh, I think there were going to be a lot of babyface wins, which we did get on this show. Pretty pretty much all the matches, except for like the Adam Cole Jungle Boy match, ended with uh, a babyface victory. So to have um, Sammy win here and sort of have that happy ending made all the sense in the world. And uh, after this match, it's interesting to note that on social media, the first to challenge Sammy Guevara for this title is none other than Bobby Fish, who was released from WWE earlier this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Not officially signed with AEW. Um, You know, they're very good at doing this thing where they bring in certain people as sort of these one-off appearances like a Nick Gage or Minoru Suzuki 
recently we've had had guys like that that they've brought in. So uh, Bobby Fish being another one of those guys because I think he's signed with MLW now, or he's still technically a free agent um, since his release. So interesting to note that, that that match has been set up for next week, Bobby Fish versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. And it also also interesting to note that Bobby Fish, for those that watched NXT, uh, was in the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole. So I'm not sure that they're going to go in that direction of maybe having sort of any interaction between those two. I think mm-hmm. you might get some on being the elite. Uh, that would be the spot to have those two interact if they were to at all. I'm not sure that they would do that on TV. Um and, and so uh, Bobby Fish will be coming in to challenge Sammy Guevara next week. A, a couple other notes, and then we'll sort of give our final thoughts and wrap up here. Leo Rush was announced to actually have been officially signed with All Elite Wrestling. So Leo Rush is All Elite. That was the big news story earlier in the show. Uh, so definitely a really, really um, strong in-ring talent, uh, somebody that was more of sort of the cruiserweights with WWE but has since – uh, shown some good stuff from him on New Japan Strong recently, uh, and he's been sort of all over the place. Had a bit of an injury, nearly retired from from wrestling altogether earlier this year, but has since mm-hmm. sort of turned that around. And I think there was some mental health stuff involved too. So wish him the best. I hope that this signing uh, is is something that overall benefits him and his career. But um, yeah, that's that's sort of as we wrap up here. Those those are kind of my overall thoughts. I thought the show was good. I definitely tough to compare it to last week with how epic the whole grand slam show was and being there live and everything. So didn't like this show quite as much, but there's some really good stuff booked for rampage and there's some really good stuff booked for next week as well that I'm really looking forward to. So I'll pass it over to you, Justin, for some, your wrap up here. Yeah. I mean, like overall, I, when I loved wrestling, like truly loved it, you know, like, I did love the Attitude Era a lot, which is when they started doing the, you know, pay-per-views every month and stuff. But when I truly loved wrestling, when I was, like, way younger, you know, it was back when we didn't have pay-per-views all the time. They had to build up to those. It took them a couple months. And you got those great stories and stuff. Like, you didn't just get Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior, you know, like, at just randomly at a pay-per-view that only had started, like, a week before that, Right. Like, you always had these angles and these stories you followed for months. Like, you know, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, doing his story angles and stuff. And when you would watch a match with people like that, it always felt like it was more. You always felt more invested. Like, when the when the, when the the close pin happens, when Ted DiBiase almost beat one of your heroes, you, you were, like, on the edge of your seat because you're like, no, man, not nah, this can't happen, right? Like, oh, man, like, you know, whatever. And you really got into it. That's one of the things that I hope AEW keeps because, like, we had the big event, right? Grand Slam AEW with some great matches, obviously. That was a really big thing, and it, you know, got over 20,000 people into an arena, you know, and it was great. It was, one of the, the, it was their highest thing. But every week can't be that. You can't make every week yeah. that. I love the fact that they sat down, boom. They still gave us a couple of great matches on here that I wanted to see. I wanted to see Adam Cole versus Jungle Boy at some point whenever Adam Cole got signed. They gave me a good title match tonight. No, it wasn't the heavyweight championship of the world, but it was for the TNT title, which they've actually took the time to build up like it was old school intercontinental title. I remember watching wrestling 
where the the Intercontinental title sometimes overshadowed the heavyweight title because the damn story was better. And the wrestlers were better. It was (laughs) the booking was better. Yeah, exactly. It was like Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. Hell, all the greats held it. Like Macho Man Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior stuff had like the Intercontinental titles. Like it made it big, right? Like during that uh, match between Hogan and Warrior, for instance, Warrior had the Intercontinental title going into that match. It was champion versus champion. And like literally, you would be like, oh man, these guys are equal. Now, if the Intercontinental title holder fought like the WWE Championship, like it would be like, why the hell is this guy getting a chance, man? He's an Intercontinental champion. But with what AEW is doing, they're taking their time, they're telling stories. Miro, they let Miro build this title up to mean something. This TNT title to me means that if you get it, you're somebody. Sammy Guevara is somebody because of what they did and led into with this title. This title, He's big star. I have fun watching it right now as much as I do the AEW championship. Yeah. That's one of the parts I love. And the other part that I love that I was kind of hinting to is because you only have four major shows a year, you have so much time to build it up. You have so yeah. much time to get ready, to take a feel, to get things, to get stories correct. Like maybe you make a st- mistake on one dynamite that you, you kind of lose your way for a little bit, but like the next dynamite you're able to correct it because you still have three to four to maybe even six weeks before your next big, huge show that you're going to do, your actual pay-per-view, you're getting people to buy. And that makes it fun. That makes it entertaining. And I love those key elements that are old school wrestling from when I loved wrestling and loved the stories. I loved the characters and all the belts meant something. Now, AEW may screw the pooch. Five years from now, I may be making the same damn complaints that I'm making about WWE right now when it comes to their championships. Literally, this past, the past week, they had a guy, Bobby Lashley, be champion. Their champion of the world on Monday Night Raw. Unstoppable. A monster. No one could beat him on the, on the show. And in the last week, he's been pinned three times just so that you could get over someone else that just you recently just threw the belt on him that did the money in the bank cash in. I love Big E, but you ruined Lashley. You ruined that dude. Yeah. That dude's a monster. Yeah. One of your uh, big stars just got thrown in the trash, got pinned three times in a week. Like a geek. And he was unstoppable two weeks ago. Like that kind of stuff's got to stop. I don't like that kind of stuff in wrestling. You got to get built up. You have to do it. Uh, one, I'm kind of on a tie right here, but I'm just one more thing. It's like <laughs> the thing that I love about, say, Brian Danielson coming in and facing Kenny Omega was that we had three superstars. They all came in different. CM Punk's going the, with some of the young wrestlers, building himself up. Adam Cole joins the elite, joins a big group, and he's just doing matches, you know, like putting the heel out there to face like a couple of these guys like Jungle Boy and stuff. And then you got Brian Downson that comes in that went straight for the man, the big man on the block, Kenny Omega, the man who's your champion. But they didn't just throw away that big match for the title. It was a non-title match. And now they had that match. It's a draw. It's a tie. Like you have the excuse to give them a rematch. You have the excuse to give the fans the rematch, and you don't do it. You turn around and you do it smart. He's going to have to slowly one step, two step, three step his way all the way back up to that match to fight Kenny Omega. And when he fights Kenny Omega, because we had to live through the draw, 
We had to live through the buildup that if Brian Danson takes that belt, it meant the world. It will mean something. Like, that's the difference here. This is like legit stories being told. Are they perfect all the time? No. But that's a legit story that I'm ready to sit back, buckle up, and go on the ride because I feel like this company gets it. And I feel like this company, if I sit back and give something, maybe I don't like where they're going at one point. Maybe I don't like where I think they might be going with a championship or with a certain character. But this company, in a short period of time, has got me to where I'll sit back and chill and go, I'm going to give them a chance. Let's see where this goes. Like they've earned that in a short period of time. They've earned that because I understand they're going to get somewhere. And sometimes like, dude, sometimes you just got to savor the stories. You got to savor the moments and you can't have them all just happen at one time because then none of them mean shit. That's just all it is. So I had to get that part right there. out. But other than that, man, I like this show, but I love this show. Not because it's the greatest dynamite, but because it's a dynamite that is setting up things in the future. It's setting up MGF and uh, MJF and Darby Allen. It's setting up the road that Brian's going to have to take to get back to Kenny. Like all those things, I'm I'm loving. I'm I'm loving every second of it. Yeah. Uh, one final thought that I have here, because uh, we've gone for a while here, so I appreciate everybody that, that tuned in today. Uh, yeah, we always Ron, appreciate. Right. <laughs> Ron's right. I got to throw this comment up real quick because I don't want to interrupt you. Uh, oh, you don't want to interrupt this, me, but you're going to pull up Thron's comment. Okay, go no, ahead. But no, I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt you while you were like straight in the middle of what you were saying. Okay. But this is the point, and you had to you you had time to save money for them, like exactly like fifty or sixty dollar pay per view. You had like four months, baby, fifteen twenty dollars a month. You got to save up to be able to watch those big time pay per views. Go ahead, thank you. That's <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so I. Uh, one sort of final thought on here is that I feel like AW is sort of piggybacking up what you were just saying, Justin. They they do tend to make things feel like they mean a lot uh, here, and even with TNT title, you know, it feels very much on equal playing field with the main with the world title. Uh, they're paying off stories, you know. We I don't think we're going to see Brian Danielson win that title, but there's a very good chance you ever you're going to make it. They're going to make it seem like this guy could could beat Kenny Omega for this title. Uh, I don't think he will. I think Hangman Page is the guy still to do that. I stick by that. That's the long-term story angle. Uh, can't can't wait to see what they continue to do with Danielson, but I think that that's where we're going to go. But there's a sort of some a, a reward, I think, at the end of the uh, the journey here. And uh, this, to stick stick with the journey is, is something that I think we're, we're, as you said, buckle up as fans. That's sort of uh, where we're going. But um, yeah, we, we've been going for way too long already tonight, so we'll, we'll kind of wrap things up here. But I'm looking forward to next week. We got some matches announced. Uh, we got Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida, which I cannot wait for. Talk about uh, women's uh, highlight of the women's division. That one I'm really, really stoked for. We got the Elite taking on Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, and Frankie Kazarian. We got uh, Sammy Guevara defending the, the newly... Uh, one title against Bobby Fish, and there's a couple other matches as well. As I believe were announced that uh, that I forgot here. But uh, you know, talking about sort of titles meaning things, uh, the greatest one of the greatest wrestling matches I think of all time: Macho Man Randy Savage against Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania three, 
that was for the Intercontinental title. So uh, that's this the last thing I got for you all tonight. Justin, take it out. Yeah, the the women's match you mentioned just then, uh, we actually didn't go over that, but they had like a little promo for that. I don't even yeah. know who these people truly are, but I'm interested in the match because of <laughs> okay. that. That promo, that promo got me interested. Like, oh man, this girl's like supposed to be one of the best technical wrestlers in the world, going up against this uh, Chinese uh, superstar or whatever. Like, yeah, dude, Japanese, Japanese. It's, okay, she's too Japanese. Uh, let's not yeah. offend anybody here. Uh, yeah, so I should have she... said Asian, Asian superstar, <laughs> because like sometimes. Um, I don't know where some of these people's coming from, but yeah. with that being said, I don't know her, <laughs> but like that promo made it interesting. Now the next match you mentioned, uh, they've already kind of done this except for they changed like one piece, like putting in Kazarian now instead of having like somebody else there. So like that match, like that big eight man tag that you, that they announced, I'm not that excited for because I've kind of already seen it. The elite and Luchasaurus and all of them together kind of going at it again. It kind of already did that. So that's kind of like a almost like a WWE booking a little bit there for me. So I'm not that excited about it. It'll be fun match. It'll be a popcorn show, popcorn in your face kind of match. But yeah. Oh, we it. also have the, we didn't even mention the rampage, the hair versus hair match, Orange Cassidy versus Jack Evans. Uh, that should be a hell of fun. And then this triple threat between Thunder Rosa, um, Thunder Rosa, Jade Cargill, and Nyla Rose. I can't wait for yeah. that one. That's like a lady hoss battle. Uh, they're looking forward to that. And the other match, the third match that we we're getting on Rampage, uh, it's at the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember, so I apologize. Uh, but we are getting, what is it? The third match for Rampage this week is is something else, but I don't remember what you it said, is. Uh, the women's triple threat. Yep. Oh, it's uh, Brian's facing uh, one oh, yeah. of the young boys. Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson, of course. Yeah. Oh, that should be great, too, so. Rampage is looking pretty stacked. The, the trick now is to avoid spoilers on the internet. So uh, I'm sure Thrawn would like nothing more than to just post all the results here in the chat. So we better get out of here before he quickly Googles and does that. Yeah, man. Like, um, th- thanks channel. again, Justin. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, follow the channel, go to YouTube, do the same thing, man. Guys, thank you, everybody that's out here and listen to us. We love and appreciate you. And like uh, Degan said, we are getting out of here. Till next time, peace. Peace.